has been educating and inspiring individuals, entrepreneurs, and leaders for decades. He's helped millions of people to move past the mental barriers that were holding them back from stepping into their power to become a better version of themselves and live a kick-ass life. I know this firsthand as I'm Jenny, Dan's wife. And here's your host, Dan Locke. Today, joining Dan is Sabri Subi. Sabri runs Australia's fastest-growing end-to-end digital marketing agency. Having originally founded King Kong in 2014 from his bedroom, Sabri has bootstrapped his company since day one and in under five years has successfully built a team of 54 specialists and $14 million plus in revenue. Now, here's your host, Dan Locke. Hey, welcome to another episode of The Dan Locke Show. Now, within The Dan Locke Show, I bring on heavy hitters, entrepreneurs, someone that I want to connect with or some, someone that I want to learn from. And you know that as a fan of mine that you... You can see that I bring on different guests. And today, I am excited to talk about something that I love, I'm very passionate about, which is marketing, right? Today, the special guest that we have, right? All the way from Australia. Amazing, amazing, right? Someone who has impact over 250,000 businesses in over 42 industries. I want you to pay attention to this because sometimes as an entrepreneur, as a good marketer, most of the people, they focus on one sector and not doesn't have a broad spectrum of experience, right? But the guest that we have today does. He has helped companies, clients, brands generate over $400 million in sales. $400 million in sales. Just think about that. So I want you to pay attention, take notes, make sure you learn the ideas and execute. My friend, welcome to the show. Sabri, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And talk to us a little bit about your background, how you even got into marketing. Yeah, sure. So um, it's a long story, so I'll compress it down. I got my start in sales when I was 17 years old. That was kind of my first foray into like the business world. Um, And it was a cold, hard slap to the face. Um, I was selling in cartridges over the telephone. And I was making 300 cold calls a day and I sucked like horribly. I was this the worst guy ever at this thing. Um, and the, the founder of that business, he obviously saw something in me and he was like, look, I'm not going to fire you. I'm going to give you another week, right, to turn this thing around. Um, and I don't know if it was a you know, motivation or desperation or a combination of the both of them, but something kind of clicked inside me and I started to kind of approach the sales game as really that as a game. Um, And literally overnight, I became their top producer. I've traveled the world and done sales in every single kind of industry that you can imagine, door to door, face to face, over the phone, one to one, one to many. Um, And I've always been the top salesperson at every company that I've ever worked at. Um, And that was kind of like the thing that led me to fall down the rabbit hole of business and then started getting into direct direct response marketing and learning about how to put like a sales message Mm -hmm. that I was doing one-to-one to to one-to-many and not call on like 300 businesses a day, but I could write ads that would call on 300,000 businesses in a day. And that's when it really kind of, it shifted for me. Would you say that you are an introvert or extrovert? 
I would say that I'm probably extroverted by nature. Um, it's, it's always kind of been, you know, that's just been me as like a, as a child, like I grew up in it. I was raised by a single parent mother, you know, we, you know, we were, we were kind of dirt poor. I was like busking at the markets on the weekend with a harmonica to kind of make money um, to, to kind of help my mother pay the electricity bills and stuff like that. So I think that it was probably, you know, as a, a thing of my environment or the way that I grew up that like, I didn't really have a choice to be introverted. I needed to kind of go out there and get after it from a young age. And how does the cold calling experience like what you've learned from that, that translates into like when you do like marketing. Yeah. So I think that like, first of all, like going through the experiencing, uh, the experience of having to make cold calls, like a hundred, 300 cold calls a day is the best thing that you can ever put anybody through. Like I've got two <laughs> girls and I've already said to my wife, like as soon as our girls can talk, like they're on the telephone making money straight away right. because it's, it's such a character forming thing. Like yeah. being able to go out there and contact complete strangers, mm. you learn so much, right? Mm. So the thing that I have learned on that is the, the, the change for me is when I was in sales and I, I sucked really bad in the beginning, I was calling up and it was all about like the company that I was calling from or the product mm-hmm. or service that we were trying to sell. And the thing that made a key distinction to me is like when I started to shift that whole phone call being all about like helping people solve their problems. And that was like in the trenches on the front lines of capitalism, that experience of finding out like people don't care about me. They don't care what company I'm calling from the only thing that they care about is that they have a problem that they need to get solved and basically i need to position my product or service as a vehicle that helps them solve that problem And I think when you apply that, like, you know, from that's like one-to-one selling, but then if you apply that to all of your marketing and everything that you do, that's when you start to get breakthrough results. When everything is focused about solving problems rather than talking about, you know, features. Oh, features and benefits and our company, our our company history and why we're so good, why we're the greatest things since like spread, right? (laughs) Exactly. That's like what I always like laugh when I go to a website and they're like, welcome to XYZ company. We've been around since 1979. I'm like, who gives a shit, man? No one cares about any of that stuff. Yes. And so share with us your your marketing kind of philosophies and and principles. Like what are some of the, the fundamentals that you believe in that have produced phenomenal results for your clients? Yeah, if I had to boil it down to one succinct thing, Dan, like it's all about basically leaving your prospects better than when you found them. Do you know what I mean? It's not about just going out there and constantly making offers to people and just like eroding all of the goodwill that you could be building with your audience. Like I believe that we've never ever lived in a day where prospects and people are so skeptical. Like skepticism is at an all time high right now. And the way that you erode that skepticism is basically by leading with your best foot forward and providing value well in advance from ever asking for anything in return. And a lot of people, People talk about this stuff, you know, in lead magnets and all of this, like moving the free line, but very 
like few people do it like on a mass market scale. Like yeah. there's still so many opportunities to go into so many different sectors of business, mm-hmm. like home building or property investment or however you want to put it, where everyone's just kind of screaming offers to their prospects and no one's really, they're all thinking about like the first order consequences. Like what's the thing that I can do right now that's mm-hmm. going to move the money needle in my business? Yeah. They're not having that long-term thinking and second order thinking where it's like, how can I kind of give up that sale right now, but build this huge amount of goodwill in the goodwill bank account um, and be able to profit from that from years into the future. And I think now with, because the consumers, they have more choices than ever and they're more skeptical than ever, right? That they're more demanding than ever. Uh, One of the concepts I believe in, I want to see this, this also you agree with this is I call the value in advance, right? Value in yep. advance. So instead of, I've got a product, you don't know me, I'm a stranger, give me some money, then hopefully you hope that I will deliver, right? That's how most people sell. Yep. Instead, I believe in, let's, let's, let's reverse the risk. Let, let, let's, let us take on that risk and say, hey, let me, let, me, let me give you some value. Let me deliver some value in advance. So this way, you don't need to worry about, can you trust me and things like that? I'm not asking for anything. Let me deliver that value, in my case, through social media. And then it's, you're lucky, you know what? Let's say, take, I'm just taking a very simplistic example. You're in sales. Well, let me teach you how to handle a couple of objections. You go out there, when next time you talk to a prospect, try this way. See if that makes you, more, makes you more money, close more deals. If it does, then naturally you're thinking, hey, if the, the free free materials are this good, I wonder what their pay materials are like, right? Like that's yeah. always been my philosophy. And that's that is a core principle. Yeah. yeah that, that is definitely itself. one of my, my, my core principles because basically like there is a, a number of ways that you can influence people, right? Like you can talk about how good you are, which is what most people do, yeah. or you can use testimonials and have yeah. other people talk about how good you are, yeah. or you can just show people how good you are by actually helping them in advance yeah. from ever asking for anything in return. Yeah. And so instead of like, you know, trying to generate leads and talk about how good you are and then have your sales team have to like really lay it on thick with their sales presentation about how you're, yeah, and, and, and trying to convince them is like what you can do is that you can just show people how good you are by helping them solve a problem. And it's, you know, it's so much more compelling than like a convincing argument over the telephone of why you're good and why you're different to everybody else. You should just lead with that value and show everybody that you're different by actually giving them some results, you know, in advance. Mm -hmm. And even the ones, the prospects who may not be ready to do business today, but because you deliver the value, they might come back, I don't know, 30 days, three months, six months down the road and say, hey, I remember six months ago, I got these value from you, from your brand. And now I wasn't ready, but now I'm ready to do business. You've already built a goodwill. Right, you are like you have that trust, you have that top of, of mind awareness, and I think why do you think most? I, I don't know. I'm just curious. Why, why do you think most brands are so lazy about this? They kind of know, yeah. like what we're talking about is not rocket science. 
Yeah, well, if you look back, like, to the beginning of time and commerce, how business was conducted, like, there was a merchant that would lay out all of their wares and would basically be screaming, like, hey, I've got, like, the biggest range and the best prices. Then that prospect would come to them, they would haggle on the best price, and then a transaction would take place, right? Mm -hmm. And that worked way back in the day because we weren't such a connected world. It was like a local economy where it was only your little village and the merchants exactly and and the businesses are still conducting like they were back then in the dark ages where you know these these merchants would lay out their wares and i think that you know it's because people are always looking for that instant gratification and they're looking at i need that immediate cash flow coming in right now um and and you, you said it right like they're just basically lazy where they don't want to go down that path of delivering value. They always think in the back of their mind, well, what happens if I deliver value to this person? And then they, they like that and they never become a client, mm-hmm. right? And they don't look at like, I've got this thing called the larger market formula where it's basically like in any given market, like, you know, only 3% of that audience are ever looking to buy right now. Mm-hmm. And everybody spends like, if there's only 3%, right? And you've got a hundred dollars that you're spending on marketing and only three of those dollars are ever going to basically be the guys that are going to convert. Everyone is spending all their time and attention exclusively Mm. marketing to those people that are only looking to buy right now. And they're leaving out 97% of the total opportunity to do business with people. And if you look at like how that translate into like the online environment, right? Like, you know, most e-commerce websites convert at 1% to 3%. Sure, they vary. You know, most webinars, if you can convert at 2% lead to sale, you're doing well. So there's a huge amount of people that are obviously engaged, coming, looking for information, right? But aren't ready to make a transaction. But most people put all their time and energy only focusing on those people that are looking to make a transaction right now, rather than planting seeds and looking to make that harvest, you know, three months, six months, 12 months down the track. Right. And, and I think for most people, what they understand, usually the marketplace, that 3% that you're advertising, those usually cost the most amount of money because everybody trying to go after, let's say, let's say you are a, a real estate agent and you want to go after people who want, to, who want to list their homes. Everybody else is going after that, right? Everybody in your city. Yep. So that those lead costs would be the highest, period. Versus you have the ones who maybe lukewarm. They're not quite ready, but maybe they're thinking about, about it. Maybe they want to sell. Like if you, it's a different messaging, but then it takes a bit more time. But because they're not as 3% ready to buy, if you develop a relationship, your, your, quote unquote, your lead costs, your marketing costs are, are a lot lower because yeah. no one competes on this. Everybody competes on this, right? Exactly. And the net, the net effect of that is then your cost to acquire a customer mm-hmm. becomes a lot lower, but okay. there's definitely more of a process involved to be able to take a cold prospect, educate them, nurture them and move them to a place where they feel like they're like informed and empowered to make a decision further down the track when they're ready to make a transaction. And what that means is that it really allows you just to enter into markets that are hyper competitive. The waters are bloody with competition. Everyone's focusing on that 3%. Come in and really address a different segment of that market and be able to kind of nurture them, bring your customer acquisition costs well below everyone that's fighting for those scraps on those 3%. And then it's like you come 
come in by night. Like no one kind of sees you oh, and then yeah. they wake up and you've, you've eaten their lunch and it's yeah. all over. <laughs> it's very, very true. It's very, very yeah. true. And that's in, in some way, I think uh, for social, what, what I've done just before the show, we were talking about like people look at my brand and th- I mean, I get this a lot, right? Where the unlock came out of nowhere and just like blew up. And I always tell people, it's not that I came, came out of nowhere. It's because I started back in 2004 marketing online. Uh, the reason I think we've been able to, to build the brand that we have, the company that we have, because I, I've been doing it for a long time, number one, right? We, we, we're joking about the 10, the 10 year overnight success. Yeah. It, it's very true. It's very, very true because people only see the outcome. They don't see the, the, the work like behind it. And because I took a lot of the, the principles and you can, like anyone, that's why, like if like anyone who's a savvy entrepreneur and marketer, um, they see what I do, they will recognize, oh, okay, Dan knows this stuff. That is not like, it's anyone who's good, you will see if this person have, is it very surface level or is it, do this, does this person have depth, right? Yep. Breath and depth to what he does and the, and the knowledge, right? So I want people to know that, hey, it's not overnight. It's not overnight. And the thing is that like, you know, the whole thing about like, if you think of today's society and Instagram and all these things, it's like <laughs> people are used to getting that, like that instant gratification or yeah. everybody's talking about the hack and the loophole and the silver yeah. bullet and this new yeah. Bitcoin currency that you invest and you become a millionaire with no yeah. work. So yeah. like that hasn't changed. Like, and that's yeah. not just with this generation. That's since the dawn of time. Like people yeah. are always looking for that, you know, the biggest result with the least amount of work. So it'd be easy for someone to look at you and be like, yeah, Dan's has blown up like in the last two years because he's heavily on social media. It's lucky, right? But they don't go and see like, (laughs) <laughs> the catalog of books that you've been launching or like all the sleepless nights and work and equity and everything that you've put into this thing to build it to the point where it is right now. Yeah. Um, and that's probably because they simply, they don't want to look at those things. They just want to look mm-hmm. at, Oh, all I need to do is post like a hundred videos on YouTube a month and I'll be the next Dan. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. You know, it's so, it's so funny sometimes when I have influencers, entrepreneurs and they want to, they, they want to know how I do what I do. Right. Like sometimes our friends, they, they come over to, to my place and they want to see a little behind the scenes. And yeah. they, they see a little behind the scenes how I run my company. Usually, usually, nine out of ten, here's the reaction, listen to this. So before, yeah, I want to know what you do. I want to see how you do it, how you do social media. Follow me for a day. I, I don't want to do what you do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't want to do what you do at all because now they know what it takes, right? Yeah. Exactly. They just, otherwise, they just see you in the in in the bright red like silk suit in the Bentley. And they're like, "Yeah, man, that's I'm about that. That's what I want to do." But they don't see all, all all the hard work that goes into it, and that's the, the the biggest thing. Do you know what I mean? Like anybody that you you have a look at that's made it that a quote unquote appears to be an overnight success. Yeah. There has been years of toiling away, mastering your craft and really putting in so much time and energy and failures and everything that comes along with it. Um, and unfortunately, like, you know, 
well, not unfortunately, fortunately, you have to pay the price to be successful. And that's like a moat, right? That's like a moat around your business. Mm. Is that like, you know, when I see people that, you know, either come and work for me and then they try to start their own thing or people that look what I'm doing and copy all my shit and mm. then they think they can go out there. Like I know the fire that I had to walk through to get into the position that I am in right now and I know the work. So it's kind of like I just laugh, do you know what I mean? Because I know that nine out of 10 people aren't going to be willing to do that they just want all the glamour but they don't want to be in the trenches sweating it out getting their teeth kicked in for 10 years i love what you said because i always tell people if people can copy what you do you're not very good at what you do because if yep. you're very good, it's like you can watch michael jordan play basketball you, you will not be michael jordan i use that analogy all the time right? it's like you can, right? yeah exactly you can pass you can you can dribble the ball you can shoot but you're not michael jordan right exactly there's a big difference. I'm curious. So let's, let's, say, let's say someone comes to you, okay? Uh, they want to be a client of yours. And they are writing you a big check. Pretend they're writing you a big check. Yep. And they say, okay, I want to grow my company. My company's doing $5 million a year right now. I, I, want, to, I want to take this to, this to a whole new level. I want to grow to $10 million, $15 million. What would you do? Like, what are some of the first few things that you would help them with when, you, when a client yep. comes to you like that? Now, most it's a great question because most people think like, I'm going to go to my little magic bag that I keep behind me and I'm going to pull out all these secret growth hacks, right? I'm just going to just bring them and then boom, here we go. Yeah. Where the, the, the thing that I do is like I look at it like a venture capitalist and I want to understand like okay. the economics of that business. I want to understand like you know, what is the lifetime value of a client right. and then kind of what the margins are and how much that you would be willing to spend on the top end in order to acquire a customer and then what does the earn back period look like for you to actually have that cash come in and net inside your bank account Um, because and and then we look at okay cool like you say for instance your your LTV your lifetime customer value is at $3,000 if someone says that they're willing to spend $100 to acquire that customer I know that they're not a serious business right They They, they don't yeah, you like it's like okay, it's over. You're you're dead in the water. You're never gonna scale this puppy up. Where it's like I want to understand that they're in that growth mindset because as crazy as it sounds. You know, we work with a lot of people that we scale to the moon. And then we also work with a bunch of people that we come in with the intentions of scaling their business. Mm-hmm. And then you scale it up and then they're like, oh, I need to go hire more people now. And we're like, well, that's the game that we're playing here, right? We're here to scale this thing up. Yeah. So the first thing that I really want to do is understand those fundamental unit economics of the business. And then I want to start working backwards. And I want to start looking at like what the cost per click is on all the different channels, how many leads we need to get in order to acquire a customer, what that process is going to look like and then start to like, it's always starting with the end in mind. So if their customer is worth $3,000 in profit to their business and they want to get to a million dollars in revenue, we work backwards and say, okay, this is how many clients you're going to need in order to get that. This is how many leads you're going to need to get. This is how many phone calls you're going to need to get. This is what the close rate's going to need to be on those leads in order for you to get that many clients. And this is how much you're going to need to spend, Dan, as a result of trying to get to that 
that revenue number. Mm -hmm. So it's really looking at business as a mathematical equation and applying those unit economics to the business. And then comes in all the sexy stuff. Do you know what I mean? People think that you can go out there and just build a, like a funnel on click funnels and bang, you're a millionaire. Do you know what I mean? They, they read dot-com okay, secrets. Are you, saying, are you saying they're not just one funnel away? <laughs> yeah, and that's the whole thing, right? If you, it, It's like people will read like a dot-com secrets and they'll work themselves into a frenzy. And then before you know it, they've got tripfire funnels and all these crazy funnels running and they're broke. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not the technology it is the psychology that makes all this stuff work. And that's like the fundamental principle that, that I really center around is, you know, in our business at King Kong, we focus on solving the number one problem that businesses face, which is how do I get more customers? Mm -hmm. And I don't care what the channel is. I don't care if it's YouTube or it's Instagram or it's Facebook ads or or any of that stuff. That's just a a delivery vehicle to get my message out in front of people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time people are indoctrinated about the technology and they think they just need to get the new chat bot and then that's it. Their business is going to blow up. Mm. So we kind of, you know, slap them around and give them a rude awakening to like, no, 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 no. Like you need to get the, the core principles, right? You need to find a starving market and then you need to hit that market right in the bullseye with a persuasive message. Mm. And do you see that? I think for a lot of entrepreneurs or marketers, they, especially the, the newer, younger generation, Right, I just find that they, they, their understanding of marketing is on a very surface level, because maybe because they haven't studied a lot, a lot of the great work from the past. Yeah, like I'm shocked. Like I could talk to a, a marketer, and I say, okay, do you know uh, Claude Hopkins? Do you do you know uh, scientific advertising? Do you know John Cable? Do you know David Ogilvy? And guess what? The reaction, huh? What? Uh, yeah. I, I said, what do you mean, what? Like, no, who are these people? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, right? literally. Are you, yeah, are you kidding me, right? No, like, forget, like, they, this whole period, they just ignore, and then they just study, like, who... The shiniest object. Yeah, like, it's like some, some well, let's not name names, but some people on, you know, whatever, right? Instagram, on, and like, they teach some marketing stuff, and they wonder why it doesn't work, because they don't have those qualities, right? They only have the techniques, but don't, it's like such a service level and that's why their stuff doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah, 100%. And the first thing that like, you know, like in my business, we run an agency, right? And the most of the people that we employ are like millennials. And they're this younger generation of people that we're talking about. And like the first thing that I essentially get them to do is read books like Robert Collier's letter book and like, you know, scientific advertising. And they're like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like this shit was written a hundred years ago. Like I want the new shiny thing. Like give yeah. me that brand new funnel. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, like, give me, give me f- how to use the platform, social platform no one has ever heard of, right? The exactly. Thing. Yeah. So it's like, no, you need to know the fundamentals and you need to know that like, you know, the technology changes. Like it's whatever the flavor of the month tactic is, there will always be in light. But the thing that doesn't change is like the psychology behind it. What motivates people? What are those psychological triggers that, you know, get people to trust you and then make them move them to a decision? All of those fundamental things. And, you know, I know that if you focus on those fundamentals, it doesn't matter what the next emerging channel is you just apply those principles to whatever that channel is and then away you go
maybe share with us. Can you can you maybe don't have to name name like as an example where uh, you work with a client and where they were and after what you something you've done to help them and then grew to whatever level. Yeah, maybe sure. Share, give an example of that. So someone yeah. that it's like a great success story, and then yeah. give us that's someone that's a, a not a good story and, and what yeah. what happened there. I think that like, you know, there's, there's one client that I can think of. There's a brand new startup okay. and they were selling, they wanted to be a home builder, right? So they were a home builder in a brand new, brand new market. They are like an accountant by trade, never had done, done this. Okay. And we okay. launched in and for instance, with them, we were like, they wanted just to build homes for everybody. And we're like, that's impossible because you can't go out there and compete with these billion dollar companies if you're yeah. just a startup. Like we need to pick a niche. Yeah. We need to pick a specific niche to go after. Um, and and the, the niche was like the Filipino community. And we, we did that in a certain geographic location and we set up a basic two-step funnel for them. Um, and in 18 months, took them from zero to $18 million in revenue. Wow. Um, and, and then there's other people like aged care business. We took them from 3 million up to $25 million in 18 months. And it's all like, this isn't with like these crazy convoluted webinar invite sequences and chatbot retargeting, double opt-ins, all this crazy stuff. Like this is just basic two-step funnels and just going into markets and beating the pants off people, right? When, when and you, then when you say um, two-step funnel, just for my audience, in case yep. you don't know what that is, can you just explain? Okay, that? yeah. So a two-step funnel, it would be basically like if you have a whole sea of prospects, right, that could potentially be interested in what it is that you've got. So we've got 100 people. The first step of that funnel is simply all we're trying to do is have a look at those 100 people and get the people to raise their hands and identify yeah. which ones are going to be in the market for what it is that that we're selling, right? And notice that I say in the market. I'm not talking about ready to buy right now. They're kind, right? Of, looking, they're kind of looking. Yeah, they're, they're kind of looking window shopping. Like, do you know what I mean? They might know that they need a new car, but they aren't out there in car yards every weekend actually looking for the car. So the first step is just to identify them and to basically get them to raise their hand by offering something of value in advance, whether it's a free report or a cheat sheet or, you know, a video sequence, whatever it might be. We're trying to put some bait out there that gets people to identify themselves as being in the market. Like and an the example, let's say for the, ho- for the home builder, like what would be a good lead magnet? What would be the messaging? Yeah, like five alarming things that you absolutely must know if you're even considering building a new home. Right. Or if you're looking for someone that's looking to sell in an area, you know, it might be like the 2019 price guide to homes in Vancouver. Um, So basically, you're not going to be downloading a free report like that on a Friday night for some fun. Like you're going to be in the market thinking about selling or listing. It's a buying signal, right? Exactly. And then the next step is basically to capture what I call the hyperactive buyers. And they're basically like, we're trying to like sending out like, you know, there's a lot of noise and we're trying to differentiate the signal from the noise. And the way that we do that is by making those people that raised their hand and downloaded this, you know, piece of content, we want to make them something that I call the godfather offer, where we make them an offer so irresistible that they can't refuse it. So then we get that that kind of 3% of people that are hyperactive buyers. And we're going to, they're going to download that piece of content. And then we're going to arrive them onto a page where we come out and just make them an, an explicit offer. Mm-hmm. And there will be a percentage of those people that will take us up on those offers, but yeah. the vast majority won't. And yeah. we will be nurturing those people through email and video automation and retargeting to get them to reach out to us 
yeah. when they're they're ready, willing, able, pre-qualified, and ready to do business with us. Got it. So what we're saying is, instead of going out in the marketplace and and kind of scream and wave a flag and hey, hire us to build a new home for you. Yeah. No, just go out there, and we just want to give some value, deliver some value, and say hey. Whatever we have, this this information could help you to make a better decision by educating consumers. And they say, yep. okay, I'm interested in that. They put up their hand, right? You capture the lead. Now you nurture the relationship. You make them an offer. They can refuse, right? Then that's when you maybe drive them to a, to a face-to-face appointment or on the phone Correct. call. It might be, right? Then that's how you, you close a sale. Like, see, even, even a two-step is such a simple but profound marketing concept. Yep. Business, you look at most businesses out there, everybody's trying to do one step. A hundred percent. Here's right. look come and look at all of our homes. Come into a display yeah, suite. Yeah. We've yeah, got yeah. the best range of homes and they're beautiful. Just come and buy. Just buy yeah, a home give, office right yeah, now. Yeah, give us half a million dollars, right? You know, we we'll go <laughs> exactly. home. Exactly. I always describe that like it's like it's like dating, right? You walk yeah. to someone, a stranger, and say, Hey, do you want to sleep with me? That's exactly what it is, right? Yeah, that's what we say. Like, I, I, my whole thing is like, how do you take a prospect from Tinder to Netflix and chill, that's right? Okay. Where, where most people are just like straight out there, yeah, like, hey, let's go home. Let's go back to my place right now. Or worse, yeah. let's get married. Like, you look really yeah. beautiful. Will you marry me? Like, yeah. marry me in the form of spending half a million dollars on a home with someone that you don't know anything right. about. That's right. Versus, hey, just say hi. Let, let's, yeah. let's go for a coffee. Let let's me buy you a drink. Let, let's, let's go for a phone number. Yeah. But that's a lead. That's just a, catching the lead first before you do anything else, right? 100%. I love it. It's just the same. Like what we're talking about once you, you get it. It's interesting how I think even, by the way, I love your book, Sell Like Crazy. Like, Thank I love you. The book because I have read a lot of marketing books. As you know, I asked my team to, to look at your work right, to read the book, because what you're doing, I think is, it's brilliant. It's very, very brilliant. And, and so just like, I absolutely love what you do. And the book, at first, when I heard the title, I thought, because I've read so many marketing books, right? I just, I've read so many marketing books. And, and I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know if there's anything new. And I was, I was flipping through it. Oh, this is, this is, this is, this is like, it's a, I, like, I could see how much work you put into it, right? So I think, um, I'm sure you're very proud of the work. So it's great. I just want to say it's a really, really good book. Um, Thank you. Yeah, look, I put, I put a lot of time and energy into it. And again, it's not like one of those like, you know, little shitty lead generation oh, yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say that. It's not a book where, you know how they, it's like thin little hundred page thing where they tease you a little bit. The whole thing is a sales pitch. No, this is a book. You can read it. I think you will have a problem with so many strategies, you don't know which one to implement first. It's that type of a book, right? So I, I, I love it. Talk to us a little bit about, I want to ask you this. So when you work with a client, I can share the story where it's, it's a client that went bad, that they don't listen or it's a, it's a, it's a wrong fit. Like give us an example of that. Then I'll ask you this. Yeah, I think that typically what happens is if you look at most businesses, Dan, like they look at advertising as a cost on their PL, right? Yeah. They're like, yeah, look at this cost. Like, how can I do something? to make this bill smaller, right? So they're like, they go to their accountant and their accountant's like, have you lost your mind? Like you're spending so much money on marketing. Yeah. Let's just 
chop that cost off and your business is going to be so much more profitable, right? And that's the mindset shift of like, people don't understand that like, you know, if you look at, for instance, like if you've got a bunch of money as a business owner, which I hope you would have, and you've got it sitting in the bank account, like depending on what country that you're in, you're going to be earning between one to 3%, right? On that money. If you're lucky, meaning you give a dollar to the bank and they give you a dollar and three cents back or even real estate, like typical real estate investment. Like I'm not talking about like buying crappy homes and doing them up and flipping them. I'm talking about real estate as an investment vehicle. Like typically it's like 12% returns, right? uh, In my city, a lot less. Yeah, exactly. So, and then if you look at advertising, it's not uncommon that if you find something that works that you can basically get an 800% return on your advertising dollars. So the thing that I see is that with the clients of ours that, you know, it's kind of like banging their head up a brick against a brick wall for them to get this thing where it's like, okay, we're putting $1 into this machine, right? There's a vending machine at the end of the street of where your business is located. And we've walked down there together and I've shown you where this thing is. And we've put $1 in and $8 has come back out. What do you think that we should do now? Yes, put it back as much as, as much as possible. Exactly. It's like a feedback loop that accelerates in volume where they don't look at it that way. And they're like, well, you know, I think I should just spend less on it. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like this is the fuel. This is the gasoline, the accelerant that you put on the business to accelerate accelerate it and you need to put that money to work that thing is a workhorse and if you can put some money into a machine and it multiplies like you need to keep doing that until you find the breaking point where it no longer is as lucrative to keep doing that right and and that's the thing that most people don't do like they don't look at their business like this investment vehicle and this machine that they got to kind of put like grease on the wheels and keep the thing moving so the the clients that i've seen is like we get some immediate wins we're multiplying their money and then their accounting gets in their ear and they they decide that they kind of want to like taper off and not be so aggressive on marketing and that's when it all kind of goes pear-shaped and that's why the bean counter and the marketer they sometimes they don't they contradict with each other they have a different agenda because yep. one is focusing, well, one is coming from more the place of scarcity. Yep. Coming from a place of abundance, right? You're, you're trying to grow, you're trying to, you're trying to scale. Very different story, right? Yeah. Um, and the thing that I always like to say to those people is, I've got something for you to do. Why don't you go and speak to your accountant and ask yeah. him how you're going to double your revenue this year? Yeah. <laughs> see what he says to you, right? He, he, he's not going to have an answer for you, right? And uh, like, if you're looking at it on first order consequences, you're looking at it as like, you're spending that money, therefore it's a loss, right? You're not looking at it as looking at that top line revenue and thinking how much of that top line revenue was fueled by this investment into this advertising vehicle. And, and, and I, Yeah, totally. And even, wouldn't you say that even though, let's say we put a dollar in, we get a dollar back. That's very common. It's, it's yep. requiring customers at a break even. You might be thinking, well, why would you want to do that? I'm not making any money. I put a dollar in and get a dollar out. One thing that you have gained, not just no profit. However, you've gained a customer. Yeah, a buyer. A buyer. So now you can go back and offer additional product and services. When you do that, the back end, that's, that's all profit because you've already invested 
money, the acquisition cost to acquire the customers in the first place. So even though as a business owner listening to this, maybe you say a dollar in, a dollar out, you do that all day. Yeah, I would do that all day long. All day long, right? And that's the thing. Most people don't have a back end, right? They're trying to make their business profitable purely by the first sale alone. So it's like like a two-step funnel. Most people are going out there with the one step. They're going out there with the one step and then they're trying to make profit on that first step, which is like, you can do that, but you'll just get eaten alive. Do you know what I mean? By a savvy entrepreneur that comes in loses money on the front end and makes it all up on that back end. That's where all the money is made. Like that first customer that you acquire is always that first sale is the least profitable out of everything. So if that's what you're simply trying to rely on to scale your business, like you're dead on arrival. Yeah. Like from day one, you're setting up your business for for failure because it's, it's not, Hey, let's, Let's, let's do more Facebook ads. It's not like that. Fundamentally, your business model is flawed, right? You haven't done it. They haven't designed it properly. I'm curious with like a King Kong, when, when a client comes to you, right? Um, how do you, let's say for someone who's a business owner listening to this and they say, I need help with digital marketing. Uh, what's a good, how do we choose a good agency? Number one, yep. uh, how, how do you work with clients? Do you charge them uh, a retainer? 15% on ad spend? Like how do you work with clients? Yeah, sure. So the first thing is, you know, like how do you pick a good agency? Yeah. Well, you want to make sure that that agency is taking the medicine that they're prescribing to you, that they're actually using digital marketing to go out there and acquire customers. Because like in our agency, we have like at least 15 agencies a day reach out to us to do their marketing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that is a huge telltale sign that they have no idea what they're yeah. doing. Like, yeah. if someone's telling you that you should be using Facebook ads to go and get customers and grow your business, you better hope that they're spending money to, on Facebook ads to get their own customers. They eliminate so, a whole bunch of them already. Just all all them. of them. 95% of them are gone because they can't even figure it out for their own business. Yeah. Yet, like, they're cold calling you to sign up to them when yeah. they're not I, I, like, I love using it, it. Right? When you get those cold email and say, hey, man, I can, I can help you with social. Like, I get those emails too. So do I. It is so funny. Like, hey, um, uh, these days, like, kind of like spam messages. Sometimes it's not even spam. But you can see, hey, we can help you with social and, and all that. I'm like, and I go to their Facebook, I go to their, their, their Instagram. You know, they've got like 300 people, 500 yep. people. <laughs> right? And they're telling me, hey, Dan, I can help you with social media. Like, uh, it just... It, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. And it's like, if you're going to get, like, going to a personal trainer to get in, like, really peak shape, it's like, are you going to hire, like, an obese person oh, to help oh you do God. that? No. Like, you're going to want to find that person that's in great shape, has got a lot of case studies of other people they've got helping to get into great shape. So that's the first thing, right? That's like a signal that you, that will eradicate pretty much most people. people and, and then I love, even the ones that say that they could do it, but they don't want to tr- like attract every Tom, Dick and Harry. It was like, okay, well you haven't figured it out then. You don't know how to do it. So you're not a master. Therefore you shouldn't be helping other people to do it. If you can't do it for your own business. Mm-hmm. Then the second thing in terms of like how we work with clients so essentially like the, the, the first thing that we do is like we, yes, we charge a monthly retainer and a percentage on ad spend. And we actually look at, you know, 
again, we're a channel agnostic agency. So we're not like that SEO company that only tells you to do SEO or the Facebook ag- agency that's just like, you've got to run Facebook ads. Okay. Like, okay. as I said before, like, we don't care what the channel is because the reality of it is we just want to go to where the lowest lying fruit is Yes. At, as the starting channel to get that person some clients. And yeah. then once they've got one channel working and it's profitable and they're bringing customers in and they're making money, then we look at scaling them out across other channels as we go. So I think that it's really that channel agnostic approach is, you know, we're unbiased to where we make the most money or what's going to be the best for us because we do all the channels. It's just about like, what's going to be the best fit? Like if I ran your business or if my mother came to me and she owned your business, what would I be prescribing to her? Right. And what would I be doing? And that's the same kind of methodology that we want to take. We want to make sure that it all makes sense and it's all sound when you look at it on paper. Mm. So, so uh, retainer model uh, as well as, uh, percentage of ad spend. Do you work yep. with clients with any, I don't know, where they, they, their baseline revenue, you can take them to a certain level, maybe a percentage. Yeah, and we get, yeah, a percentage of sales. We do as well, right? And if you're smart, if you're a smart business owner, you have to think about like the basic psychology of just a person, right? And the rules of incentives. Like the reason that we charge, for instance, a percentage on ad spend is because, you know, spending five grand a month is completely different to spending 50K a month on ad spend. It's a lot more sophisticated that you have to be you have to start reaching out to colder audiences. It's more of a process to convert those people and maintain a stable like CPA cost per acquisition. So, you know, we, we're going to need to be incentivized to spend more time on the account in order to be able to get it to those numbers. And the only way that we're going to be able to get it to those numbers is if the numbers are still making sense, right? And on the flip side with a percentage of sales, like if we're incentivized because we're getting a share in it, naturally we're going to spend more time and energy far beyond the retainer that you're paying us in order to make it sense because like we we get a piece of the upside. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting because I'm looking at at my own model where in the beginning we try hire a different agency and it worked to a degree, but once we grew past a certain point, that's why I personally do everything in-house. They've got yep. the in-house team. Because to a point where, like, and this is not coming from a place of, like, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, when we sit down with most agency, if they're talking about social, there's not much they could tell us. Yep. That, if anything, usually it becomes the other way around, right? 100%, yeah. You show them what they do. They're like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> then they're picking our brain. I'm like, then why the fuck am I, am I hiring you, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, we do it better than almost anybody else, right? Yep. It's quite, it's quite crazy. Like it, it's, so now my biggest challenge is I, it's very difficult to find someone that could tell us stuff that, that we haven't done or we don't know. Like there's yep. an aspect where, let's say I need... Um, Let's say someone on Instagram that I would bring in a specialist to consult with my team just on one piece or just on LinkedIn, right? Or just on certain things that like that might work, but I, I couldn't find someone that could do 
that. Definitely right. not. And like when I when I've been speaking with your team and, and, and Blake and whatnot, it's like you know the thing that I made very clear. It's like you're looking for the little hinges that yeah, swing the big yeah. doors. Do you know what I mean? You're not looking for somebody that's going to come in and redo your whole social because yeah. you're already killing it. You're looking at that one small, tiny one to two percent change mm-hmm. that has a profound yes. impact on the entire funnel, entire whole acquisition. But yeah, you're definitely right. I think that. You know, the, the thing that I, I make the argument for is that when a business is just getting started, it makes sense completely to hire an agency. Like, yes. in my opinion, it makes sense until the point you're doing around $5 million in revenue. Yes. And then it kind of makes sense to start looking at building a team internally. They both have pros and cons, right? When you hire an agency, you get to get like a whole depth of team. You get to get like, you know, 50, 60 plus people All that can work on your account just like that and you know if one account manager leaves there's a whole bunch of people to take over that campaign for you and it's kind of held towards the account where you build a team internally what happens when your facebook ad guys goes and works for another company because they're willing to pay him more your whole intellectual property just walks out the door right so there's there's pros and cons of both but i think that definitely when you're at the stage that you guys are it's more about bringing people in on like a contract basis just to help you with those small one percenters And it's so funny because now we are at a point where a lot of people, well, first of all, a lot of people, they would, (laughs) it's like this, right? Uh, We we had, it could be that we had one big discovery call with someone, one name, like some discovery call. They look at what we do. And then before you know it, you see on the website with my brand and say, oh, you know, <laughs> I helped Dan Lok with his whatever, right? Yeah. You know, it's just like people trying to leverage our name. And, and you know, that's all part of it. I, I understand that. Yeah. But so um, I always tell people, if anyone that who claims they work with so-and-so, just check with the team to see if it's true. Yep. A lot of people, they make claims about certain things where most of it, chances are it may not, may not be real, right? And this is what comes back to what we were speaking to before. Like, and that's the reason that people are so skeptical. Like they'll book a strategy call in with you and then they'll be like, oh, like Dan Locke's entire business is as a result of me. And oh, yeah. like this incredible piece of advice that I gave him on a 15 minute call. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I built a social, you know, pl- like, like I have people who do that. Sometimes that's why I got my legal team involved. I don't even know them. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't even know these people. I've never talked to them before. But they would make certain claims, right? To, and sometimes people don't know because they thought, oh yeah, it must be real, or they might not yeah. check with my team. Uh, but if you check with my team, we will know. Okay, yes, if it is legit, yes, we have worked with this person, and this is what it's like working with them. We, yeah. There's a good reference. More than happy to give the reference. But ninety-nine percent of the time, I found that that's just simply not true. And that's, that's, a, that's one of the casualties of like sticking your head up above the forest floor is that like, you know, people are going to look at you, they're either going to throw stones at you or they're going to try to like leverage off you to basically try to accelerate themselves. Yeah, yeah. Where do you see, because I think this, this is a question before I want to ask before we go, is where do you see digital marketing is going in the next, let's say 12 to 18 months? So like one of the things that that I obviously see is that like, you know, obviously 
data is that new currency, right? Oh, it's yes. all about the data and the gold. I was reading an article just yesterday about, um, I think it was Chase Bank in the States that have just used like an AI copywriter and to outperform like one of the controls. Yeah. So the machines are definitely coming. And if you look at most of the ad platforms, like they're starting to pull away control from the end user. And they're basically like, you feed us the inputs and we'll go away and do all the ad delivery. And we will tell you what's going to be best for you and what's best for us. So a lot of people are talking about AI, AI is coming, like everyone's going to be made redundant in the digital marketing space. But my question for those people is, if you've got like 10 ads like on Google, right? Or you've got all the inventory on Facebook, if the AI is running for everybody, then what's going to be the determining factor of what makes one person better than the other person? Right. And what people don't understand is that like, like, yeah, you can, you can obviously make decisions based on people's emotions and data and all that kind of stuff, but it comes back to the psychology, not the technology. And I think that like, there's always going to be an element to marketing and, you know, to this whole game that won't be able to be completely automated. I think it's about using man and machine and using those leverage points where it's like, you know, my team might be exporting all the data from Facebook and then running pivot tables to find out literally what is the winning ad, all of that stuff will be redundant, right? Actually dissecting what's working. But the thing is that like coming up with like a unique hook that is like going to be radically different to what everybody else is doing in the marketplace because the AI is all optimizing for the best outcome based on historical data. But when it optimizes for everybody and everybody's doing the same thing, it's not going to think, oh, let's just throw a curveball and do something completely different to stand out. And that's where, like, you know, the idea of the big idea, the hooks, all those unique angles is what's going to really make the difference. I I love it. I I think it's totally true. That's why, um, that's what I focus on. I believe, you know, data, data is a new gold. And I call, I mean, I believe, this is just my belief, the three most valuable currencies, uh, not financial capital, number one, social capital, what I call your, your, your awareness, attention in the marketplace. Right? Because you have social capital, you can always turn that into financial capital. Number two is actually human capital, right? Having people, yep. having the right people within your team. Of course, number three is data, where data is a new goal. Like I believe, that's why my business, I focus on these three things. The three yep. things, right? Um, so yeah. AI is not going to replace that. And most people, you know, never talk about the second type of yeah. capital that you spoke about, which is yeah. the human capital, right? Look at anybody great throughout the whole time. No one ever achieved anything great by themselves. You know, I've been fortunate enough to build an incredible team at King Kong. I've got a team of very passionate, hardworking, and some of the smartest marketers in the world. Um, And that's the thing that, like, that's a long-term investment in your business, in your brand, where you see yourself going. And as marketers, it's something that most marketers don't know how how to do. They don't know how to build a team and then lead that team. Mm. And that that human capital component, as we move into an age where everything's about AI and deep learning and technology, I believe is going to be like a secret weapon, like people that can build good teams of people, motivate them, keep them going for that cause. That's going to be the differential differential factor between people that are wildly successful and people that are mediocre. Yeah, I agree. And that's, I tell people that's, that's my secret sauce. Really, it's it's the, and that's the most difficult thing to, to to copy. It's not a funnel. It's not an ad. It's yep. a soft skill. It's a leadership skill, right? 
how do you motivate, attract, inspire a group of people, right? To share this. That is not something you, let's, let's download that from Instagram. Exactly. Let me go onto the Facebook ad library and just copy it all. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, you know, it's, that's not how you do it. And that's what, and that's why sometimes millennials, they don't get this. And you can see they, they go through this or they hit a glass ceiling because they were never taught how do you actually work with people, right? I get the yeah. most frustration when I work with like young influencers where it's like a little bit fly by night. They don't have the vision, they're short-sighted. They don't, they don't get it. Yeah. They just don't get it, right? And they don't. And so like the way that I look at things like within my business is that like, you know, my, my team members, they are my first clients, right? I need to look after them like family I and that. I need to make sure that they're happy and yeah. they're motivated. And if I do that, then they're going to look after the clients and the results will come. But I've always wanted to create a place that I would be passionate about waking up in the morning and coming into work every day because right. most places are just shit to work at. Do you know what I mean? It's like some crappy manager, corporate environment environment. It's not an idea, meritocracy. Yeah. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So I think that like, that's something that I'm really proud of. And it's something that I've always really tried to focus on is just building a team and a culture of where people love to work. um, And that culture becomes intoxicating and that, that leads to a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. Uh, For my audience, if they want to find a little bit more about what you do or King Kong, what was the best way to do that? Yeah, they can go to kingkong.com.au. Um, I've also put together like, you know, a link for your listeners of the show to go and get my book for free. It usually retails on Amazon, but you can go to selllikecrazy.co forward slash free to okay. grab your copy and we'll send that thing anywhere in the world. Love it. I guess that, I mean, go get the book. It's a, it's a very, very good book. Like seriously, you, you see a lot, even I think, cause I am in and your funnel, just, just get that just to see how the marketing is done. You'll learn a lot from that process, right? Cause you can study, but also look at what in an expert, what they do. You also learn a lot as well. If you pay attention. If you just pay attention. Awesome, buddy. So good to have you on the show. I love like talking about marketing. I mean, I, I geek out on these things because that's, that's really where I came from. Um, everything that we do, uh, that we're passionate about marketing. And marketing is not just, I want you to understand if I leave you with one message, it's not about just selling some product and services. It's really about impacting people's lives, right? You're, 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 you're delivering value in exchange of money. But to be a great marketer, like I could say this, if your product sucks, marketing would bankrupt you because there's nothing would, would put you out of business faster than putting a bad product out there. Everybody knows you're done, right? It's not the magic pill. But if you actually deliver great value to people, marketing, it, it would transform your business and, and transform your life. So stay tuned. Next time, make sure to tune in for the Dan Lok Show. I'll put a link down below. Go make sure to download, sell like crazy. It is a great book. I'll see you next time. That's it for today's episode of the Dan Lok Show. Head over to thedanlokshow.com and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. You are guaranteed to expand your thinking, your network, and your network. So be sure to subscribe to the show today. Dan also has a gift for you. Go to www.danlockshow.com because there are bonuses when you subscribe.